0: And this morning, I'm excited to have my wife, Emily, up here with me. So you didn't know you were going to get all that applause from everybody. Uh, but we are uh, we're excited to be up here this morning with you. And um, as you saw in that video a minute ago, um, we're, we're actually together going to be hosting the marriage course coming up. And uh, we would love for you to be a part of it. We, uh, we actually went through the marriage course uh, right when the the first shutdown happened, do y'all remember that? Like March, man, what a Seems blur. like a long time ago. Yeah, so our son had just been born, the shutdown happened, and there was a church that was running the marriage course online, and we are like, hey, you know what? We were kind of like bored at that point, so we're like, let's do it. Um, not bored with a baby, but like we were at home, and um, it was a great experience for us. It was a very unifying experience. Um, yeah, what, what was it like? I mean, what was it like for you?
1: I would say the, <laughs> um, you know, there were a lot of helpful exercises and helpful information, but I really think more than anything, it was just the decision to be intentional with that time every week in our relationship. Um, you know, there's no substitute for time and effort in any relationship and friendships and your relationship with God, and marriage is certainly worthy of that investment. Mm.
0: So yes, it was a great experience. So if you have any questions, we'd love to to talk with that about you. Um, But we're not actually up here to talk about marriage today. Instead, we are up here to wrap up our series we've been in since the beginning of the year called One Another, where we've been looking at different commands in the Bible where we are commanded as the body of Christ to do different things for one another or to one another. And so we're going to be looking at one final, one another command this morning. Um, And as we open up God's word together, would you bow your heads with me for a word of prayer? Lord, would you open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning? Lord, as we open up your word and look at who you're calling us to be as a church and what you're calling us to do, would you help us live in obedience to you today and every day? Amen. Amen. Well, so far we've looked at how we're called to love one another as Christ has loved the church, how we're called to encourage one another, pray with one another. Last week we talked about how we're called to live in harmony with one another. And this morning we want to talk with you about one final one another command and it comes to us in Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, his letter to the church in Galatia where Paul writes this. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of of Christ and um, I think we have it on the screen here would you read that with me bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ and when Paul's writing here and he says fulfill the law of Christ when when he says the law of Christ here he's referring to what Christ said was the greatest commandment in the law to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself and so Paul is telling the church in Galatia and I think he's telling us in turn as well That one concrete way we can love our neighbors is by bearing one another's burdens. And this verse comes in a a section in in Galatians where Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and what it means to, to live by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. And here Paul is telling us that one of the marks of Christians who are filled with the Holy Spirit is that they will bear one another's burdens.
1: And sort of a more literal translation from the Greek um, than burdens would be like a heavy load or a weight. Mm -hmm. And so here Paul is giving us this, um, this image of us as the church, you, me, us together, surrounding one another and lifting the burdens of one another so that we can do God's will. And in my work as a therapist, I've certainly seen a lot of people carrying burdens. Um, some of you know that primarily my work has been counseling children who have been abused. Um, and when you think of, of that image of a burden or a weight, and you think of trauma and abuse on the shoulders of a child, we know that that's too heavy for them to bear, right? We, it's obvious that they need help. But actually, some of my most difficult cases have been with folks who said, oh, my problem actually isn't that bad, (laughs) right? Um, And this actually would often happen with the parents of children who had been abused. And obviously, as a parent, your first primary concern is going to be your hurting child. But what I often found is that parents whose children had been abused are often so bogged down in guilt and shame that sometimes they would lock themselves away in their rooms instead of being present to their children. They no longer trusted their own instincts and so they sort of shied away from the work of parenting. And it was hard for them to see that unless they got help, unless these parents got help shouldering their burdens, their kids would have a much harder time recovering. So when Paul tells us to bear one another's burdens, he is assuming here that we all have burdens and that no one's is beyond help. Um, but he's calling us as the body of Christ, as the church, to bear one another's burdens, to help each other so that together we can do God's will in the world.
0: Yeah, and as we've said throughout the series, a lot of these one another commands are very countercultural, cultural and, and this is one of them as well because we live in a culture where we love to, to fill our schedules and be so busy that a lot of times we don't actually have uh, the capacity because we're running so quickly to see the burdens people around us are carrying, much less actually help them carry their burdens. So we live in a busy culture. Uh, we live in a culture that values self-reliance and independence, right? Pull yourselves up by your own bootstrap. Don't be reliant on other people. But, but here, that's what Paul is calling us to be in the body of Christ. He's calling us to be not independent from one another, making it on our own, but he's calling us to be interdependent upon one another. And we live in a culture that is very self-centered, right? Uh, we live in, in the selfie culture where it's about me, my, and mine. And what Paul is pointing us to here is this idea that in the body of Christ, we aren't to be self-centered. We are to be other-centered. And to constantly have our focus beyond ourselves. And one commentator I was reading this week said, you know, even in the church, sometimes we get self-centered and we start thinking, you know, okay, did I like the sermon? Okay? So if you don't like this sermon, don't come at me after this. Uh, but, you know, we think, did I like this sermon? Did I like the worship set? And, you know, am I getting something, right? It's it's about us and our focus is on ourselves and it's not always on other people and on God and worship. but But... The writer went on with this challenging reminder. We'll put it up here on the screen for you. He wrote this. We're meant to show up for church, not just for ourselves, but for the sake of others. We show up in small groups, not just for our own edification, but so we can build others up because we who are committed to community know that sometimes we need others and sometimes others need us. And I love, that. I love that last line. Sometimes we need others, and sometimes others need us. And so the truth is, like, God might have drawn you here today for the sake of someone else. And we have to constantly keep that other-centered focusness in our lives. And when it comes to bearing one another's burdens, Emily and I, I mean, we're both kind of in vocations where we're helping people on a regular basis. And we've seen uh, people bear one another's burdens in helpful ways. We've seen people do it in harmful ways, in ways that aren't that healthy. And so this morning, we thought we'd share with you a, a few practical pieces of wisdom about how we as a church can live out this command from Paul to bear one another's burdens well and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so the first piece of practical wisdom I wanna give you is this, this big idea. This big idea that love goes first. Love goes first. And this is a phrase my friend, Reverend Andrew Forrest, introduced me to. And behind this phrase is this idea that love, uh, which Thomas Aquinas defines as willing the good of the other, love takes initiative. Love takes the first step towards someone else. Love makes the first move. And when we think about the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is what we see, right? God didn't wait until the world got, got all of its stuff together and invited him down and said, hey, will you come down? No, while we were yet sinners, Christ came into our world largely uninvited by us. God made the first move to rescue us and to save us, to love us. And in our relationships with others, I think it's so important for us if we're trying to love other people to make that first move as well. And if you've ever tried to care for someone or love someone, you know that that making the first move can be a little bit awkward at times. Because maybe you know someone who's hurting and you haven't reached out to them or talked to them in weeks or months or years. It could be a little awkward to kind of ping them and just say, hey, I'm here for you. Making the first move can, can not only be awkward, it can be a little risky because you risk reaching out to somebody and saying, how can I help you? And them saying, no, I don't want your help or I don't, need your help making the first move in love requires vulnerability on our parts and sometimes well I would say most of the time it requires vulnerability on other people's parts as well the people who are receiving help because in order to receive help I mean you have to kind of invite people a little bit closer into your life you have to be real about your burdens and your needs and the things going on in your life but, but here's the truth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote one of Emily's old sermons. How about that? She said this, and I like this. She said, The relationships in which we feel most loved are typically the ones where we are the most real. The relationships in which we're most loved are the ones in which we're typically the most real. And so I, I think if we're going to love other people and carry their burdens, we need to make that first move. And as a pastor, even sometimes for me, it can be awkward. Because I don't have the words to say a lot of times in the midst of tragedy and hardship. And so sometimes I'll just call people and say, hey, you know what? I I don't know what to say. I don't have words to say. I just want you to know I'm here for you. We're here for you as the church. If there's anything we can do, please please let us know. Like it, it requires just saying, hey, I'm here showing up and making the first move. And when I've needed help, I've said to people at times too, hey, I don't know what I need. This is just all too much to bear, and I need your help. It requires that that risk and that vulnerability.
1: And then once someone lets you know that they need help, really the next thing to do is to listen. Um, and I will say listen to understand, which is a nice way of saying don't listen just to respond, <laughs> right? Um, I think sometimes when we're listening to someone Uh, tell us about a problem that they're having. It's often our first instinct and apologies, but usually for men. I like um, like to fix
0: things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To to jump in and try to fix everything, right? And not just for men, I, I do it too sometimes. But something that's important to understand here is that when someone opens up to you and you don't yet fully understand the scope or the weight of their burden and you try to pick it up, odds are you are going to be doing more harm than good. So we want to uh, be good listeners. (laughs) I'm sure, unfortunately, everyone in here probably has an experience of a bad listener. Uh, Maybe it was a boss or a coworker or an acquaintance, God forbid, a parent who just loved the sound of their own voice and uh, was kind of distracted whenever you're talking to them. And it just makes you feel bad. But I wanna ask you just for a second to think of a time when you really felt listened to. Has there been a time when someone has put down their phone, sat across from you, and you knew that you had their full attention? Think about what a difference of those two feelings are. And I want you to hear that we have the power to give someone that feeling of being listened to not just jumping in and interrupting and responding, right? And so when someone has taken that leap of faith uh, to open up to you, uh, to talk to you about whatever is going on in their lives, um, any questions that you ask in this first part should be open-ended and non-judgmental and really focused on gaining more understanding, um, not prescribing a solution yet. Um, Another technique that we use sometimes in in therapy and counseling is sort of checking your understanding with a summarizing statement. So, for example, a couple weeks ago I was talking to my own therapist um, about a relationship that's been difficult for me um, thankfully not Jonathan or you or anyone involved at Harvest Point. Um, but I was going on and on for like 10 minutes with her about things my friend was doing, things she wasn't doing, and I just had this like breathless monologue. And at the end of it, Judy, my therapist, said, it sounds like she's not treating you with respect. And I just thought, bingo, Judy, you just saved us 10 minutes, right? I, I saw that she was listening and that she understood And so once you have as full an understanding as you can of the situation, then you can ask one sort of final open-ended question. And this is one that Jonathan and I learned in premarital counseling that has served us really well. (laughs) (laughs) And that question is, what do you need from me? And sometimes uh, what they need from you is going to be right up your alley. Sometimes you may need to connect them with another person who has the solution. But really the the base of that question really reflects the question that Jesus asks uh, blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10 that Jonathan talked about a couple weeks ago. He comes upon this blind man and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Which to us is obvious, right? (laughs) If he's blind, wouldn't he want to see? But Jesus asks and gives dignity to Bartimaeus in that moment. And we have the power to do the same. When someone is telling us about their problems, to check in with them and say, What do you need from me? And so, whatever the situation, whether it's something you can personally help with, or something that someone else in the in the church can help with, don't be afraid to use your gifts. And that is the next point: is use our gifts. In 1 Peter 4:10, it says, each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And so as the church, we are called to use our gifts. Maybe you're, you have the spiritual gift of encouragement or prayer or generosity or hospitality, Maybe you have some special abilities, maybe you are a carpenter and someone needs furniture, right? Maybe you're an artist or a writer or an advocate. So your gifts, your abilities, and also your experiences can be a gift, even the negative ones. And that might seem counterintuitive, but think about it. If you've been through a lot of career transitions and you're meeting with someone who just lost their job, you have some unique perspective to give on that. If your parent passed away 10, 15 years ago and you are walking alongside someone for whom that's really fresh, those experiences, as difficult as they were, can give you that extra dose of empathy and wisdom and experience that you can then share with other people. And it reminds me of uh, what Paul writes to the Corinthian church In Corinthians chapter two, he starts it this way. Praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of all compassion and the God of all comfort. Here it is. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And so for all of you who have walked these paths can come alongside someone and say, me too. (laughs) I've done it, and here I am. I've lived to tell the tale. Mm -hmm. And so for all of us who have received God's comfort, let's share that comfort with other people. For people who have received God's peace, let's pass that peace among one another and to a world that's so desperately in need of it. And I think sometimes we trick ourselves into thinking, well, you know, I haven't really arrived. I'm not, um, you know, an expert on this situation. Uh, I don't know what I have to give. But in reading the Bible, it really seems like God almost doesn't care to use people who have their lives all (laughs) together. In other words, I think God would really like to use you
0: and me. Hmm. Yeah. And so when it comes to this idea of bearing one another's burdens, it's important to ask good questions to understand your gifts, and then I would say it's important to recognize your role because just as all of us have unique gifts, we all have unique roles to play when it comes to bearing one another's burdens. And so the question for for this point is kind of this, how does God want me to use my gifts, experiences, and talents to help this person in need in front of me? And so, for instance, if your spiritual gift is praying the role God might want you to pray to do for somebody else is to be an intercessor, to be an intercessor for them. And so your role might be checking in with them regularly, getting health updates, and then praying for them specifically and, and texting the family that you're praying for them. Uh, some people have the spiritual gift of generosity. And so your role might not be really, really intricate in the situation. It might simply be giving money to somebody in need so that they can make decisions and so that they can take it from there. Uh, As a pastor, one of my roles a lot of times is being a connector. And so I'll meet with someone, I'll talk with them, and then I might connect them and say, hey, you know what? It sounds like you really need uh, more specific counseling in a specific area, maybe marriage or, or relationships or personally. Or somebody's having financial troubles and it's like, hey, you know what? I might need to connect you with somebody who has great experience with financial planning. Um, sometimes when it's, when it's caregiving, it's like, hey, let's help connect you with people who, in our church who also have aging parents who've been through this before. So it's important to think about your gifts and the role you might play because we're all called to play unique roles. And sometimes these roles are short-term. Sometimes these roles are longer-term for people as we're bearing one another's burdens. But regardless of whether it's short-term or long-term, it's important to have clarity on your role because if you don't have clarity on your role, it can end up being problematic and sometimes you can begin crossing different boundaries. And so for instance, if you're trying to help a friend in need and you begin to take on the role of intercessor, of uh, financial giver to them, caregiver to them, and and everything else, what what happens is eventually instead of helping them carry the burden, what's happened? Now, you're carrying it all yourself, which is not what God has called us to do. We're we're called to share the load with other people in the body of Christ. And if we're bearing everything and some of the things that people are created to carry themselves, that can be problematic when it comes to boundaries. Because we are, as we've talked about in the series, the body of Christ. We each have a unique role to play. And so it is very important to recognize the role God wants you to play in different situations as you're helping different people. And then we would say the final thing to do when it comes to helping other people is something a lot of times we skip over, but it's very important, and it's, it's to simply trust God. It's to trust God because here's the thing. Scripture doesn't tell us that we are, we are called to change people. It doesn't say, hey, you need to fix the people in this room this morning. Scripture doesn't say, hey, it's your job to transform people. Instead, we're called to bear one another's burdens, to walk alongside of one another and help people in need.
1: Yeah, and so really another way to say that is we are not called to be superheroes. We are not called to be perfect, but we are called to play whatever small defined role we've been assigned um, within this body of Christ. No one part of the body can do it all. And so use your gifts, try, but then ultimately trust God with the results.
0: Yeah, because God is the great transformer. God is the healer. God is the one who is able to change lives. And as as people who, who help and serve a lot of people, Emily and I know, that when you are able to help someone bear their burdens and use your gifts and, and see how God uses in you, you in a unique role, like there are great blessings that come from that when you see God working in you and through you. But we've also seen in our lives how, how important it is um, when, and how much of a blessing it is when someone helps us carry our own burdens. And one of the times this was most clear to us is when we were headed on a trip uh, to Chattanooga. We were there and we were going to a little weekend getaway and we were like five minutes out of downtown and I was typing on my laptop in the passenger seat, busily finishing a sermon for Sunday before we arrived. I had like five minutes to go. I knew I was going to wrap it up. Emily was driving. It was raining and all of a sudden we began to hydroplane and our car spun around about one and a half times. We got rear-ended by a tractor trailer and we found ourselves in the left lane on the interstate. And so thankfully, uh, after clearing the airbags and everything, we were both able to exit the car, and, and we soon found the car was, was totaled, and we saw our luggage was strewn all over the interstate, traffic was stopped, and, and soon a police officer showed up, and uh, he was like, hey, who's coming to pick you up? And uh, I don't know if you know this, Uber does not pick up on the side of the interstate, you cannot request it. You have to be at like a literal location. And so we didn't. We weren't going to visit anybody in Chattanooga, so we were like, we don't really have anybody to pick us up. And he was like, well, you need somebody. So we started thinking, okay, who do we know in Chattanooga? And we made a list, and it was about two people. And so uh, I didn't even have the home phone number of the one family I was thinking of, so I began Googling like, okay, I, I know a family from Salem Camp Meeting. I, I see them every summer at this church camp together. Um, they're, they're an older couple. I knew they lived nearby. And so I searched Google. I found a phone number, and I called. And uh, Tom Tidwell, the family, answered. And I said, Tom, this is Jonathan. Uh, I've been in a terrible car accident. Can you help us? And he said, yeah. And uh, yeah.
1: And so about 10 minutes later... We see this big pickup truck pull up, driven by, at the time, what to me was a very nice looking stranger, um, who I later learned was Tom Tidwell. And I didn't know this person, but Jonathan did. So we got in the truck, he took us to the hospital, and then, you know how that goes, about two and a half hours and a neck brace later, um, he showed up with dinner. And we got back in his truck, he took us to his house. He and his wife put us up in their guest rooms. They gave us some space. They got us a full night's sleep. They cooked us breakfast in the morning. And then when it was time to go, he took us to the rental car place, which is another story for another sermon someday.
0: On patience.
1: (laughs) And he was with us for about half of the day, just helping us get settled in. And in that moment of crisis for us, Tom Tidwell loved us as Christ loved us. He was an embodiment of God's sacrificial, unconditional, extravagant love.
0: Yeah, and looking back now, we can see this was the body of Christ at work um, across geography, right? He, he wasn't a member here. He, he was a member of another church, but God used the body of Christ to serve us in those moments of of need where the burden was too big for us to carry on our own. And they were witnesses of Jesus to us by encouraging us, serving us, bearing our burdens. And as we wrap up the series, I mean, that's really the big idea we've been talking about. It's that when we, as the body of Christ, love one another as Christ has loved us, as we serve, as we encourage as we do all of these commands we've been talking about, the hope is is that we are sharing and showing Jesus to the people around us. We are reminding them of God's love. And the hope is also that as we love one another here in this place, that, that we will reflect Christ's love to the world and they will see his great, extravagant, unconditional love he has for them. And so one of the things we have to remember in all of this is that these aren't aren't commands that we can live out on our own power. These are commands that we need the Holy Spirit working in us and through us to do these if we have any hope of of reflecting the body of Christ we see in the New Testament. And so this morning as we wrap up this sermon and wrap up the series, I wanna invite you to pray. And I wanna just invite the Holy Spirit to come to fill us to use us and to help us be the body of Christ for one another. And so, God, this morning we pray, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful. Transform us. We know that we can't transform ourselves. We can't transform other people. We need your power and presence and love at work within us. So, Spirit, we pray, would you work? Would you soften our hearts? Would you slow us down? Would you give us eyes to see needy people around us? Would you fill us with compassion for those in need? Would you help us as people who have received the love of Christ, would you help us and empower us to share that love with others? We know we haven't been a perfect and an obedient church always, but we pray that you would help us today and every day live as your people, the family of God you've designed us to be. We ask all of this in Christ's holy and magnificent name. Amen.